0: Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thanks for tuning in today, whether this is your first time or you've been listening since the beginning of this podcast, I appreciate you listening. I truly do, and I'm very excited for today's topic. Today it's episode number 19, and this episode is titled "Becoming a Berean Part One." So I think I hinted at a desire to share a a, a series of teachings on this idea a few episodes ago, maybe a while ago now, and I think I'm finally going to dive in and do it. Uh, Again, this is going to be part one. My goal is to do a few podcasts along these lines. Uh, This this week we're going to talk. About the importance of reading scripture for yourself, I would like to get into kind of the importance of reading scripture and some you know overview of that in the following weeks. Uh, some different translation theories, um, how different translations come about. I'd like to kind of dive into that and some basic hermeneutics for sure. The importance of literary context, historical and cultural context. Uh, The whole council of scripture, some ideas like that for properly interpreting scripture because it's something that all of us should be able to do and should endeavor to do and should do regularly. And then I may conclude with a little bit of apologetics on defending the faith, specifically regarding the New Testament. Uh, Currently, I'm taking a class called New Testament Issues and Apologetics at LBC, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the class so far. Uh, We're only one week deep, and I've already really enjoyed it. It's been very challenging. Um, but it it proposes some different ideas on on ways to defend the faith and how we know that Christianity um, has historical origins, but how we know that the New Testament is a reliable um, set of documents that we can truly believe in today. I mean, like, yes, we need faith, but we also don't need to have blind faith. Like it's not as crazy as we might think some days. So I'm excited about that. But this week I want to talk about the Bereans from Acts chapter 17. First, I want to tell you about what I would call one of my biggest wins in youth ministry. So I think I've shared a little bit on the podcast before, and most of you probably know me. Uh, my wife and I have been in youth ministry for about four years now. Actually, uh, in 11 days from today is my anniversary, and we actually had our very first youth group meeting on our first anniversary. It's a great way to celebrate your anniversary, I guess, um, but it's been good for us, and we're actually... Uh, This year, I'm actually taking our youth group guys on a camping trip on our anniversary. So it's kind of been an interesting thing. But we don't, we're not Nazis about, you know, celebrating the exact day. So it's good. Uh, We've got plans for a week later. But anyways, uh, one of my biggest wins in youth ministry. So we've been doing it for about four years now. And I think about three years ago, it might've actually been four years ago. It was right at the beginning. Uh, when we started, I handed out these papers to everybody. Well, I actually didn't even hand them out. I offered them as a handout of, it was a Bible reading checklist. And so you can get these online. It's really cool. It's got every chapter in the Bible has a little box, so it'll have like the book of Genesis. And then it has, The um, fifty little boxes. I think Genesis has fifty chapters, if I remember correctly. So it's got all the little boxes, and then it, you know, for every um, every book and every chapter of that book. And so basically, what you do is you read that chapter, and then you highlight it, or scratch it, or black it. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but then it shows that you read that chapter, so you can keep track of reading you're reading as you go. So if you're not following an actual written plan or like a YouVersion version Bible app plan to read through the entire Bible, you can keep track of it on your own. So I challenged everybody. It was like three or four years ago to read through the entire Bible, which most teenagers probably aren't really interested in reading through the entire Bible, but I was like, Hey, you should do it. So I'm going to challenge you to do it. And if you want, here's these papers. And they were at the back of the room. And if I remember correctly, I think I had maybe one, maybe two people grab one that I saw. I mean, we left them out for a while, but most of them weren't taken, which I kind of figured, but it it was still a good idea. And then about a month ago, I would say it was almost exactly a month ago, maybe a little bit more, a little less. I don't remember the date exactly. uh, One of the guys in our youth group was getting ready uh, to move on to what he's doing next. And it was Sunday morning. We were at church and he's like, Hey, Josiah, come here real quick. And he pulls this wrinkled up piece of paper out of his pocket. And I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what in the world? What is this? And he pulls this pa- piece of paper out of his pocket. He's like, you remember when you gave these out a couple years ago? He's like, I just finished. And to me, it was like, it was so cool. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to calculate what is the biggest win we've had. But that for me was like, that was one of the coolest things. He's like, I did it. I read the entire Bible. He said, it took me a couple years, but I've been working on it. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because I, I had no idea he was even doing it. He didn't tell me like when he reached halfway, I had no idea. And I talked to his mom later and she even said like, Oh yeah, I've seen that piece of paper plenty of times. And I said, Hey, I, I had no idea he had even t- taken one. Like he was somebody I saw take one and he had pursued and he'd read the entire Bible. And I thought that was so cool. So for anybody that is listening to this podcast episode that has not read through the entire Bible, I want to challenge you to do it as well. Maybe I'll be able to find the uh, the link to one of those papers or something so you can print one off too. But it's really awesome. I know for me, I've read through the entire Bible uh, multiple times now. I stopped keeping track. At, as soon as I did it once, I was like, all right, I'm good. I wanted to say I could do it. I did it at least once, but I've done it a handful of times. And like everybody always says, it's amazing. I always find new things. I mean, I've, I've read, I've studied, you know, and I've, I've preached tons of times and I go and I look and I'm like, there's always something new and it's amazing. So if you've never done it, a challenge, you read the entire Bible, you don't have to do it in a year. I mean, that's something that people do. And if you do it in a year, it's like 10, 15 minutes. It's not even that crazy. But if you want to do it in two years, I mean, think about it. I mean, you could do like a five-year plan and probably spend like three minutes a day. I mean, it's really not you know, and some people would be like, Oh, I'm ashamed. It took me five years, but there might be somebody that's been a Christian for 30 years. that's never done it. And it's like, even if it takes you a couple of years, I mean, just set aside a little bit of time. It's pretty awesome. So again, as I said, we're going to talk about Acts chapter 17, uh, with Paul in Berea. First, a little background. So we're talking about the importance of, of the word of God today. And again, that's going to be, uh, what we're going to do for the next, I don't know, probably half a dozen episodes or so, maybe not so many. We'll see. Uh, But this is on Paul's second missionary journey. He's traveling. He went through Macedonia. It was when the Philippian jailer was converted. They had that prison break, that awesome experience. And then they went to Thessalonica after that. Now, Thessalonica was another city in uh, the Roman province of Macedonia. And Paul went there with Silas and they're preaching. And the Jews, you know, some of them received it. Some of the Greeks received it. But there was a group of Jews that were really, really not thrilled with what Paul was doing, they were pretty mad about it, and so they started this big ruckus. They started this riot. They, you know, the city kind of went nuts, and they're like, "We got to get Paul out of here because they did not like his message." And then at the end, it was cool. It was when they described the apostles as being those who turned the world upside down. So that's what they were accusing them of turning the world upside down. They were mad. They threw him out of the city. Um, well, didn't technically, but they were threatening him and everything. So Paul escaped in the middle of the night. It says in Acts 17, verse 10, as where we're going to start, it says the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now Berea was another city in Macedonia, like Philippi and like Thessalonica, it was about 40 miles to 45 miles west of the city of Thessalonica. So they traveled for a couple days, came to the city of Thessalonica, and this is or came to the city of Berea rather from Thessalonica. And this is what it says. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Uh, Noble could mean specifically about their character. Some translations uh, render it open-minded, but they were open to what Paul was saying and they were willing to, to check it out. Like, Hey, if, if what Paul is saying, saying is really true in the old Testament, we're going to look into it and we're going to find out for ourselves. And these believers were contrasted with those from Thessalonica because the ones in Thessalonica were unwilling to hear what Paul was saying. This crew was like, you know, we want to know the truth. So we're going to search this out. And if what Paul is saying is true, then awesome, like, we'll go with that, but well, we're going to search it out for ourselves. And then verse 12 says, many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. And so we see here that the, this crew, they were willing to search it out. And as a result of them searching it out, they came to faith in Christ. Uh, in my last class at LBC, I was really encouraged. There was, I think, two different guys in my class, we were talking about different things in the in the power of scripture. And these guys said that they were non-believers to some extent. I don't know exactly how committed they were or whatever, but they were on the fence. They were not committed Christians. And they actually started seeking God through scripture. They started reading the Bible, even though they weren't professing believers. I don't again, I don't know if, I mean, maybe they were, you know, they believed in God, but didn't believe in Jesus or they didn't, I don't know. I don't remember the the whole thing. They didn't really go into the details, but they were not Christians and they came to faith through personal Bible study. They were personal reading. They started reading through the scripture and then finally it hit them and they gave their lives to Christ and were saved. And now they're both enrolled in the seminary at LBC, which I think is so cool. So scripture is powerful if we're willing to search it out. But those Jews in Thessalonica, they were not willing to look. They didn't want to be proven wrong. They they didn't want something to change. They were opposed to Paul. They were not open-minded. They were not willing to look into it. And the thing I find funny, and this goes on so many areas of life, is that most of the time, if you're afraid of being examined, it's because you're nervous of what might be found, right? Or if you're afraid of examining something, it's because you're afraid of what might might be found. So you got these guys that are unwilling to look into it. And why? Well, probably because it might have actually converted them to being Christians. And that would have been, you know, for them, no good. I mean, imagine how Paul is, because you got to remember, Paul is the same guy that originally his name was Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. And he wasn't willing even to, to search it out for himself, you know, and he was probably maybe afraid of what he would find as far as evidence for Jesus in the Old Testament. But you're, you're only afraid of being examined if, if there's something that you need to hide. It's like it, it, if you have integrity, in in life, you don't have to worry about it. For me, you know, you could check my internet history any day of the week. And I don't have to be nervous about it because there's no junk in my internet history. Uh, You you might think that some of my interests are kind of weird. Like I really like watching YouTube videos for people fishing and stuff. And you might be like, why would you ever want to watch somebody fish? And it's like, Hey, I like it, you know, or I like watching stuff about vehicles. Like it's there's some of my hobbies, but I don't have anything to hide. So if somebody had to come and search, it's like, hey, you know, help yourself. Like, I, I don't care. Like, my wife knows my passwords and stuff. There's, there's no big deal. Like, it, there's nothing to hide. But these guys were nervous about what they would find. So they were unwilling to search the scriptures. And then to conclude, verse 13 says, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. And those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed as well. So we see these, again, these Jews from Thessalonica that were so mad at Paul. Not only did they cause that riot, that uproar in the city of Thessalonica, but they actually they actually tracked him down. They went all the way to Berea. And they're like, all right, Paul's here. They found out. And it was roughly like a three day journey on foot. I don't know if they had, if they had horses or camels or what, like, I don't know if they walked or whatever, but they were committed. I mean, you got to think in their day, 40 miles wasn't like a, you know, a 35 minute drive down the interstate or something like it was a hike. And they went there to cause another ruckus to try to get Paul thrown out because they were so committed against his message. But again, I think of like, that was who Paul was beforehand. That was the same exact person he was until he met Jesus. And I just think of how like how crazy it is that you have Jews in Berea. They're willing to search out the scriptures. They they want to confirm. They want to know what the truth is versus this crew in Thessalonica was so set in their ways that they would go way out of their way in order to stir up crowds to oppose Paul. So we see the Bereans here are the example, right? They're contrasted with those from Thessalonica and they're known for two things here. First, they received the word eagerly. And then second, they examined the scriptures to see if the things that Paul was saying were true. Now at the time they only had the old Testament and that's where he was preaching Christ from the old Testament. And they would go and they'd examine it to, to find out if Paul was preaching the truth. But today there's not many of us that are willing to examine the scriptures you know, we, we might go to church, we might go to different things. And you hear stuff preached, and you just take it like you're spoon fed, and you don't ever want to look into it for yourself. And a lot of times, modern day Christians, we might be at best, like halfway to being the Bereans, we might receive the word eagerly, at least if it's a, a word that's positive, that's encouraging, whatever, then we might receive it eagerly. But how often do we actually go and say, well, I want to see this for myself and open it up for myself, open up the Bible for myself, maybe." You don't ever take a Bible to church, or you don't even log on to your phone to read the Bible along with them. I really want to challenge you to do that. It's important for you to see it and know it for yourself. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul talks about the fivefold ministry or whatever you may call them, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I'm paraphrasing, but their job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until everyone in the church reaches maturity to the fullness of the stature of Christ so that we're no longer children being tossed around by various doctrines, by various teachings. That's like, that's the ultimate goal is for mature Christians to be able to do the work of ministry themselves. But if we never open up our own Bibles, if you never go home and open up your own Bible, you're not going to be able to make it just on the teaching on Sunday mornings alone, let alone not even knowing if if it's true, not to say that your pastor isn't, isn't a legitimate teacher. But I mean, think of Paul, like Paul is the most the most influential person in the history of Christianity, aside from Jesus. And people wanted to examine what he was saying to prove it. And again, if there's if there's no reason if there's no reason for concern, there's there should be no reason not to to be able to look into it and say, "Hey, I want to see this with my own eyes." And I, I think that th- this is very important in pretty much every facet of Christian life, especially now we have social media. People share all sorts of quotes and different ideas. social media, you need to know the truth for yourself. And I find here, this can be the dangers of some different, different shows or different things based on the Bible. Um, especially one that's a great example is the chosen. Now I am not necessarily hugely for or against the chosen. I've, I've seen the whole first season, haven't seen the second season. I don't have a problem with it, but what I will say for anybody that has or has not seen it, there is a ton of extra biblical material in there which obviously you have to add, right You're not going to go and just base something directly off the Gospel of John because like the text would not flow naturally and it wouldn't make a good movie. I, I get that I'll give them I'll give them that but the problem is they throw in a lot of this other stuff and if you don't know your own Bible, you don't know that where the line is between what is factual and what is plausible. Now there Dallas Jenkins is very thorough. And goes into, you know, the the important uh how they went and determined that it would all be plausible and they got this this committee and they're like, could we at least assume that this maybe could have happened? Like that this couldn't just be factually disproved. And and that's a good standard. Like I appreciate that they did that. And again, my goal here is not to bash the chosen. Um I, again, I sat through the entire first season. I I enjoyed it, but I think it's important to be able to know, okay, what what are they taking that's actually from scripture and what is additional stuff, especially like in, if you watch it, a lot of the relationships, there's no guarantee at, at all in scripture that, that much of these people knew each other. I mean, it, you know, Andrew and Peter were were brothers, obviously James and John were brothers. They were fishing partners. Aside from that, I mean, there's probably a few I'm not thinking of, but there was not as many intimate connections, which again, they had they had to do some stuff in order to make be able to make it flow but it's important for us to know scripture so that we know where the line is between what is factual and what is plausible. And that's just an example. Another example, my wife and I, we were watching the, um, sight and sound, right. The sight and sound theater in actually in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, they had, um, aired their Jonah film, I think during COVID. And we watched that. And overall, I I really enjoyed the Jonah film, but there was two, two things in it that really kind of turned me off. The one was that Jonah was like famous and everybody was waiting for his new word from the Lord, which I, I don't find a ton of scriptural grounds for. him. like, I, it, it's plausible, but it's kind of unnecessary. Uh, and so they really played that into the plot. And I'm like, you could have just done without that. But people that don't know the story wouldn't know that. And the second thing, the one that was the most egregious to me that I, I almost turned it off, like overall, it was very good. I'm not trying to bash them. It's just an example it, is they had Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. Why did he hate them? well, they killed his dad. And I was like, where did you come up with that? You know, like you go and you look at it and it's like, there is absolutely no reason at all in scripture to believe that that is what happened. He didn't like them because they were bad people, probably like they were, they were sinners. They were this other nation. Um, they were very wicked in how they treated people. Like there's all sorts of reasons like that. You might know from history that this is their, their character. And ultimately Jonah didn't want to go, why? Because he knew that God was gracious and God would forgive him. And he didn't want them to be forgiven because he didn't, he, you know, they weren't good people, but this personal vendetta was not there at all. So if you would go and you'd watch that, you'd come away like, wow, I had no idea that, you know, that Jonah had this personal vendetta and it was all because of, you know, they killed his dad. Like I would have hated them too. It's like, well. But that's not in scripture. And if you don't know your own Bible, if you don't, if you aren't willing to search the scriptures to see if the things that you, that you see and hear are true, you wouldn't know that. And then you might hear that and you might share it with other people. And next thing you know, you're promulgating something that's not even legit. So it's important to search it out for yourself. And I want to challenge you as well with this, that for most of history, people did not have the Bible in their own language. They didn't have access to it. And so what we have today, like we're super blessed and we don't want to take that for granted. I think back to like the whole idea of supply and demand. It's something that we probably all learned about in seventh grade or something and never remembered until we were adults. But when something is so numerous and, you know, it's not really worth as much when something is rare, it's worth a whole lot more. We found this out during, uh, COVID because they shut down the factories for just about everything. And I know the, just the price of two by fours alone, like quadrupled and I go into to the, the lumber store to buy, you know, buy a couple two by fours and it, it's, it's insane, you know, and then for anybody into firearms, first of all, you couldn't find ammo. And then if you could find ammo, everything had skyrocketed like three or four times as much as it was before. Well, why? because there's, there's no supply. It's so rare that people are willing to do almost anything for it. And see what's happened with scripture is for, for thousands of years, people didn't have it at all. And now that we have an infinite supply, we have it on the internet. we got tons of sites where you could go and read any translation you want. You got paper Bibles. I mean, probably every Christian's got a handful of paper, paper Bibles in almost every translation in their home. And then not only that, we have it on our phones. I mean, at least you should, right? Like Everybody can have it as an app on your phone that you can access literally whenever you want. But see this great, great supply, I think has kind of driven the demand down in a way where we just take it for granted. And it's like, we see it everywhere and we don't realize how valuable it truly is and how much we need to, to be thankful to God that, you know, people risk their lives. There was people that died because they were trying like from persecution because they were trying to get the Bible into a language that people could read. And then now we are sitting here with a language we can easily read. I mean, all the way, anyways, all the way up to some stuff that's really loose, you know, and you can, you could read it so easy and we just, we don't do it. You know, after so many people did all this stuff and were faithful to God to, to translate it into English and then we just take it for granted. So with the accessibility we have today, I believe we are all accountable for knowing the Bible for ourselves. We do not have legitimate excuses for not examining scripture to establish what we believe. And God desires to meet us when we read. And this is something we have the privilege of doing every day. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week. And until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.